Hello and welcome everyone to Packed Up. My name is Kenji Ito and I am here alongside my partner, Jacob Jones. How are you doing today, Jacob? Doing well, man. Doing well. Yeah, so uh, our show is about Pac-12 sports just in general. You know, yep. football gets the attention, but we're going to be covering basketball when that starts, baseball, and even more sports. But what's even crazier is that college football is less than one week away. It is an interesting time for the Pac-12, and it's been an interesting couple months for the Pac-12, really. Yeah, that, exactly. uh, With all the news going around about the possible moves to the Big Ten and the Big 12. But to be honest, you know, all that kind of goes away when it's football season. Yeah, for sure. It, it's easy to take your uh, mind away from everything that's going on with the Pac-12 when you have live football going on. And now we're just, what's today? We're recording on Monday. Now it's mm-hmm. uh, just next Thursday, which is, yeah, next Thursday. which is really insane. And ASU plays on September 1st against, I think, yeah, NAU. NAU, yeah. Lumberjack come to town. Yeah, that's that's gonna that's gonna be a fun match matchup to. Who upset U of A last year? Yeah. So you have to watch out for NAU. Yeah, you never know. They're but, a very scrappy ball ball club. Yeah, but I mean, like, you get the college game day atmosphere. You got Bears terrible picks. Yeah. Uh, you got the amazing themes. You got mm-hmm. tailgating. Like it's it's all gonna be back in less than a week. It is fun just to have the traditions back. You know. It's, yeah, for it's, sure. It's been a long summer. Of when NBA ended in June, we've been stuck with baseball for the yeah. last few months. Nothing wrong with baseball, but oh yeah, yeah for sure. But there's nothing like the uh, nothing like football. So yeah, it's nothing not, like college football, either. especially college football atmosphere, like you just said. So let's exactly. let's first start off with uh, the probably best team in the Pac-12, Utah, right? Yeah. So as as we've seen in the media, etc., like they're at seven. Mm-hmm. in the eight people like what are your like overall thoughts well you know i think it's very fair utah has been on the rise for i think four or five years now mm-hmm. and utah has shown that they have the ability to be a powerhouse and utah has fl- flown under the radar for a long time in terms of uh wins and players because they play in a very tough conference mm-hmm. when you have teams like oregon and usc and at times Washington and at times UCLA, UCLA, and, and at one short stint it was ASU controlling the Pac-12. Oh yeah, and I I was, I was completely shocked last year. I mean, it was it was pretty unbelievable to watch. Yeah, the the rise and fall, but you know, as we kind of saw ASU go down, we saw Utah automatically go up. Yeah, exactly. and I think their ceiling's very high. They have Cam Rising at quarterback. He obviously yeah. showed. A lot last year, and in that, especially in that Rose Bowl game, and you have to say if he doesn't get injured in that Rose Bowl, Utah's on on its way to a big victory over Ohio State. Yeah, so exactly. I I expect a lot out of Utah this year. Mm-hmm. And I think I just hope that this number seven ranking just doesn't go to their heads. So if I was their head coach, I would keep the pedal running, mm-hmm. tell their people not to tell their kids not to watch uh, ESPN, keep their mind off the rankings, you know. And just focus on the game because Utah is a very good ball club. And so if they can keep focus, I could see them playing in the college football playoff. Yeah, exactly. I, I think you hit all the points. But I think at number seven, though, I think it's kind of ri- – wait, are they at number seven? Yeah, they are at number seven. My bad. Yeah. Um, I think it's just kind of a little unfair because if we kind of look at the six teams above them, there's Alabama, fair, Ohio State, fair. Mm-hmm. And you kind of go down this list. Clemson is at four, right? They had an awful season last year, and they're already ranked at four. That is just truly unbelievable to me. And I think that Notre Dame, they're not going to like really adjust well at first because they have a new head coach. 
they lost Kyron Williams. Like, this is out of conference. But, I mean, this all takes into factor how good these college teams are going to be. So, I think that, like, Utah could have been, like, either, like, in the 5-6 range or maybe even already in the top four because they already were in the Rose Bowl last year Mm -hmm. and they almost beat Ohio State, like you said. Yeah. Which which was unbelievable game. It was, like, 50 points per like yeah, team. It, was, it was something like that. And look, if I'm if I'm a Utah fan, I'm very upset with the number seven. I think it's a little bit of disrespect coming from. Mm-hmm. Look, Utah's never been to the playoff. Oh you know, yeah, Pac-12's had a couple participants with Oregon and Washington. Yeah, Washington being the last team in 2016 to make the college football playoff. Oh yeah, and so I think Utah gets that disrespect because of the fact they I feel like they haven't really gone over the hump yet. You've mm-hmm. been to the Rose Bowl, but you haven't won it, and so it's that. They're kind of in the middle ground right now. And number seven, I think, is is kind of where I'm trying to see if I could, you know, compare them to a team, kind of where Cincinnati yeah. was last year. Yeah. You know, Utah is, like, really unique. And I also think that Cameron Rising is unique as well. Yeah. Like, you know, you expect him to be, like, I was expecting him at least to be kind of slow. You know, he's more of a pocket passer. But you kind of saw him in the Rose Bowl. Like, I know we keep on mentioning the Rose Bowl, but we kind of saw, like, a little bit of Cam Newton that he was, like, running power plays mm-hmm. and everything. He was threading the needle to, like, all his underrated receivers. Like, I think his name was Covoy, I think. Yeah. And honestly, uh, you already gave your predict- predictions on the upcoming season, but honestly, I see Utah um, having a very good record. They're going to be in the Pac-12 championship. Uh, and they're going to be in the college football playoff. Yeah, I, I fully expect them to. And mm-hmm. anything less from Utah this year would be extremely disappointing because of the talent they have and the talent they have coming back. And yeah. I think, you know, in my opinion, if they had won the Rose Bowl last year, I know we keep bringing it up, like you said, but they may be in the top four right now. Mm-hmm. They may be above a team like Ohio State. Yeah. And I think it takes a win like that or a loss like that to really boost or decrease your um, ranking. But Utah has a lot to prove this year. And mm-hmm. I think if they can go on a good run, beat a lot of good teams, I mean, that Utah-USC matchup, Utah-Oregon matchup this year, yeah, it's going to be insanely intense in terms of just where the that plays into rankings. And mm-hmm. like you say, we're in November when we get into playoff time. You know, who makes it, who doesn't. So I expect a lot of Utah this year. And, you know, I think, in my opinion, they're going to be the next par- participant in the college football playoff. Yeah, and uh, as as Pac-12 fans and like we're going to a Pac-12 school we for sure hope so because we kind of see like Pac-12 kind of going down the ranks as the Power Power 5 conference Mm -hmm. but you did mention Oregon so let's actually get into that school um so this is the second team in the college uh college AP poll 25 they're actually ranked at 11 Mm -hmm. right I think it's personally fair but like what do you think it's 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 fair enough you know Mm -hmm. it's it'll it works for them. Though Oregon will be fine <laughs> wherever they're, yeah. they're ranked, and I think 11's in a good place for them, you know. And that Utah Oregon matchup, like I was saying, is going to be a, a fun matchup. But oh, I yeah, think why sure. they're, you know, ranked at 11 is because of you know, the way they were embarrassed by Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Oh yeah, for sure. And they so, were embarrassed twice by Utah. Yeah, and so having them only four spots away mm-hmm. is interesting. But, you know, it is it is what it is right now. But, you know, Oregon has a lot to prove as well of, look, that's not, that wasn't us. That And Oregon, kind of like Utah, has been on that threshold of 
getting back to the playoff. I know they were the first one and they played the national championship, but yeah. that was Marcus Mariota. Yeah, the old Mariota days. And, you know, he won the Heisman that last that year, and that was great. But, you know, I'd go back to three years ago, back in 2019. Morgan mm-hmm. at one point was ranked sixth in the nation, and they, had yeah. to, they came to Tempe to play ASU and got upset. Yeah, that, that was truly unbelievable. But, like, honestly, 11 is is very interesting to me because it's like not too high or not too low i think it's just perfect because you know they've lost a bunch of additions Mm -hmm. because they lost Kayvon thibodeau yeah and travis die which we'll kind of get to later and uh anthony brown their quarterback which i thought he was kind of mediocre but he kind of still brought that team together right and they even lost their coach to miami yeah which we'll kind of get into a little bit so it's kind of like are there are the expectations for Oregon too high or, like, too low? Like, it's kind of an interesting question that we have to think about. Well, it is kind of like Utah in that sense of expectation. Well, where's the ceiling, but when the, but also when's the, where's the uh, that breaking point for a team like Oregon or Utah? Mm-hmm. And we got to remember a team like Ohio State who's ranked second or third, if I yeah, he, remember correctly. He's ranked second. Ranked Ohio second. State. Oregon beat Ohio State in Columbus. Yeah. And so they do have this really good opportunity to really siege the Pac-12. They they almost sieged it last year. And so I think in both Oregon and Utah's sense, this is really the year that they strike. Okay. It's I kind of see this as an I would say all or nothing because, you know, if you don't go to the national championship or go to the college football yeah. playoff, it's not like, well, now that we don't have these kids anymore. I see that a lot more for Utah than I do Oregon. Oh yeah, for I, sure. I'm a lot more worried about Utah because Cam Risen's a senior. And mm-hmm. so he's going to be out, you know, playing for an NFL team next year. Yeah. And so for Utah, it's a little different. But Oregon, you have Bo Nix and you have this uh, this new system in place. What I'm excited to see, I want to get your opinion, is how's this new leadership style with Dan Lanning coming in to coach Oregon? How's this new leadership style help Oregon going mm-hmm. into this year? Yeah. So, like, I think Dan Lanning is a great coach. We've never seen him as a head coach because he was Georgia's defensive coordinator uh Mm -hmm. last year uh i think he's going to be obviously more defensive minded uh that defense is amazing with justin flo uh and a couple other guys and uh i think he's he's going to be more aggressive on the defense obviously than the offense but the offense will definitely pick up because they got transfer bo nix from auburn Mm -hmm. and and bo nix he is kind of he has a history of kind of losing his job not performing well in big times yeah but I think this is his for real chance to go like, you know, this is my opportunity. This is why I transferred here to really shine in Eugene. Well, I see a lot out of this, a lot of potential out of Bo Nix coming to Oregon, a school like Oregon, mm-hmm. of a kid who's played in the SEC for his entire college career. Yeah. You know, I've played against Alabama. I've beaten Alabama. Yeah, in the Iron Bowl. I've I've taken, you know, trips down to LSU and Texas and Texas A&M and, yeah. and you name it. So he's going to bring that that SEC intensity. There's a different intensity that comes with, like, playing in the SEC. Oh, for sure. You know, you have to have a different kind of intensity to play at Auburn, to play against Alabama, to play against Georgia. You name it, you know, if I can go off the list of who Auburn plays every year. Yeah. But, you know, I think having that in a conference like the Pac-12, that you have a lot of, like, every conference you have your bottom feeders, but you also have your top feeders your top feeders like utah and usc and ucla ucla once in a while and whoever whoever else comes out of that top four or five we have almost every year and so it's going to be a good addition i expect a lot out of oregon 
this mm-hmm. year, and that Pac-12 championship. And now that the Pac-12 system is kind of rebooted now, that's yeah. not between North and South. It's between the that, best two teams. Between now. the best two teams in the conference. So, yeah. you know, if we, you know, God forbid, we might see a Utah, USC, Oregon, whatever. You know, that's yeah. a, it's a, it'll be fun to see them though. It'll it's going to be a Interesting. And Oregon starts their year against Georgia. Georgia yeah. So right out of the bat, you know, yeah. we're going to see exactly what Oregon has and what they do with it. Yeah. It's totally up to who shows up and who comes to the table. Yeah. And as college football watchers, right, we're not going to see Oregon like drop out of the top 25 or be 20 losing to Georgia because Georgia is great as it is. But you did mention USC, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they've they've had a... They basically did an NFL rebuild, rebuild basically. Yep. They got all these star players, and they have such high expectations. Media says they're overrated. But AP poll, which is created, I think, by the media. Yeah, by sports writers. Yeah, sports writers. They rank them at 14. Mm-hmm. So, like, like we said for Oregon and Utah, like, is this the right place, or should they, like, be higher or lower? Well, momentum is an interesting thing that you have a team that won four games last year. Oh, yeah. And didn't make a bowl game. Mm-hmm. You know, they lost to a lot of, you know, granted they have a tough schedule. You're USC, so you have to go and play Notre Dame every year. Yeah. And so it's not like they're, it's not like it's a cakewalk every year, like you're getting six easy wins. Yeah. But, you know, granted you do have a new leadership style at USC. USC fired their head coach after, how long was it? Like three or four weeks? I think it was like two games or something. Yeah, yeah. after after they lost to um, whoever they lost to that. Yeah, off, I think it was Stanford. Yeah, they, it was Stanford. That awful loss at home. Mm-hmm. They pulled the trigger, and so you know, being too trigger happy in that sense, I don't think it's the greatest idea. Yeah. But you know, USC also has a big target on their back mm-hmm. when you're that big of a program. And I think USC still has a lot of momentum from those Reggie Bush days. Oh, yeah, And sure. those Matt Leiner national championship days. And so you still have a lot of momentum from those years, especially when you're a program like USC. And so I think having them 14 at the poll, it's fine for me. Um, but, you know, I need to know that USC is for real. Yeah. You know, how do I know these guys are going to are for real? Yeah. I think it all starts the next the first few weeks. And as a USC fan, I'd love to get your opinion on, like, you know, what does this team – have to offer and what's the ceiling for this team you know what should we expect yeah so like i'm i'm i have a really high ceiling for usc like you know they added lincoln riley and my expectation is to do the same thing he did at oklahoma like big big 12 which he was at before and pac 12 they're fairly similar you know they have those top dogs and then they kind of have they this kind of just decrease as time goes on right yeah so and this is a little crazy but I say 10 and 2 or 11 and 1. Mm-hmm. They don't lose to UCLA. So that's a win, right? They don't face Oregon, which is like thank God for USC for not facing Oregon for mm-hmm. USC fans all, all around the world. But they either lose two games, Utah and Notre Dame, or they only lose one game, which is probably going to be Utah, mm-hmm. right? So that's what I expect out of Lincoln Riley. But like, kind of the next big thing is that they added so many superstars, it's kind of like watching the Rams. Yeah. It's pretty funny because they're both in L.A. Right. But they added Caleb Williams, Jordan Addison, Travis Dye, all those guys. Like, I, there's so many guys to count. It's like 20-plus, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The big question is, are they going to work together very well? 
Well, I'm not sure it's going to be overnight, as as people say it will be. Mm-hmm. You know, things like this and programs don't automatically click click overnight, and so it's going yeah. to be a it may be a short process for USC, or it may be a really long process for USC. You know, coming into this year and then 23 and 24, but when you have a guy like Lincoln Riley who you know, was able to recruit, you know, incredible talent like you know Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray and you know, you name it, you know, Oklahoma has a great track record in the NFL right now. Yeah. And so, you know, maybe this is more for the future. And, but like you were saying, having bringing in all these superstars, you know, it definitely raises the expectations for a year like this, where it's like, well, mm-hmm. now we have this system going, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's more like a why not us. You yeah, know, exactly. Like trying to get themselves back on the map, you know. I think USC and Texas are kind of in a similar position right now. Yeah, because they've added so much talent, and mm-hmm. then they're like... I think they're just both kind of get, both trying to get themselves back on the college football map. Yeah. And especially for USC. So yeah. if USC is doing well, then college football does well. And so it would be healthy for USC to just get back on the right track. Yeah, but like honestly, like I think that they are going to work out. Is And this is not me being biased. You know, I'm a USC fan. Mm-hmm. But I think that they're going to work out well is because... They have an easy first three games to start off the year, mm-hmm. right? They have Rice. I don't even know where Rice is, right? <laughs> and I didn't even know they had a college football program. Right. They face Stanford, right? And we'll right. get into Stanford later. And they face Fresno State. Mm-hmm. That's three weeks of maybe pure, like, pure scoring, pure defense, like, and much more. Like, so I think those three weeks can really click in for USC to say, hey, we're finally brought together. We can go and dominate. Yeah, it'll be a good three games just to test out the waters, really, for USC. Mm-hmm. And that when they play Rice and Stanford and Fresno State, it'll be, you know, where are we in terms of collective, um, as a collective group? And then mm-hmm. USC themselves can figure out, well, now we know what the system is. And use yeah. these three games as a, a stepping stone. But you just got to be careful because you don't want to come in and have a team like Fresno State, who is extremely talented, or mm-hmm. a team like Stanford, who is talented, or a team like I'm not too worried. Wouldn't be too worried about Rice, but yeah, you know we've seen you, you we've st- seen we've seen crazier things happen. I mean, oh, yeah. it's college football. I mean, Appalachian State beat Michigan in 2007. Yeah, that was unbelievable. And well, speaking of a team that's going to be playing uh, pretty soon here, just um, right around the uh, corner in Tempe, is ASU. Mm-hmm. And ASU making a lot of headlines. Emory Jones is QB one. Yeah. He was named by he was named QB one by Herm Edwards just last week, and ASU's in an interesting position as well. They've had a lot of a lot of seniors leave, a lot of transfers leave, and so ASU's in kind of a limbo state in terms of college football. Yeah, and so it'll be interesting to see not only how they handle it, but also just if they get more opportunities open. And, you know, no offense to a guy like Jaden Daniels who was here for you know three years, but he was very one dimensional. Mm-hmm. And, and ASU had a very set plan almost every game, you know, and that started with guys like Nikhil Harry and Brandon Ayuk, and then Rashad White, Rashad White, and then it turned into Chip Trainum, and then you know Benjamin, and now and then Ricky Pearsall. But these guys are all gone now, so I think ASU has to kind of learn, and Herm Edwards kind of has to learn how to balance the ship and figure out, well, if this doesn't work, then how do we do this, and how do we do mm-hmm. that, and how do we get all these guys involved? Because that's how you beat teams, and ASU got in a lot of trouble in the last couple of years because. Of being that one-dimensional, uh, oh yeah, that one just a you know it was 
People could write the book on ASU very easily. Yeah, they're kind of like Michigan State because they like run through one player. Mm-hmm. But like the bigger question is, is that like you got two two main transfers uh, going to ASU. You got Emory Jones and Xavier Valade, yeah. which is a running back from Wyoming, mm-hmm. which we looked up. Um, who has a better season? You know, Emory Jones, he competed with Florida and he had some success. And then Xavier Valade, he was at Wyoming, and he was uh, he had two 1,000-yard seasons. So who has a better season, in your opinion? It'll be fun to watch. I think uh, Emory's going to come into his zone this year. Okay. Emory's, Emory has a lot to show, but I wouldn't be surprised if Xavier also has a good year, too. You know, ASU is a is a very run-heavy football team. Yeah, for and sure. We've seen that in the past. Of they've, they've really counted on running backs to, <clears throat> excuse me, get, get them through games. And so it'll be interesting to see you know, how that works and if guys now that guys like Antonio Pierce are gone. Yeah. And so it's going to be a lot more on Herm to figure out what works well for this team. Yeah, he's going to, like, even though he's already stepped up a lot, taking, like, leadership roles and et cetera, he has to even step up even more. So that NAU game is going to be a good kind of stepping block to see who's going to step up this year. Who's going to, because, you know, the second game of the year, they have to go to Oklahoma State. Yeah, at Oklahoma State, too. Yeah. Which is really so tough. You go, you go to Oklahoma, so that, welcome to that challenge. Yeah. So ASU is going to be in the fire yeah. in just week two, and so it'll be it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. Yeah. Like when I was looking at ASU schedule uh, this year, it it's kind of like a roller coaster going up and down. It's like mm-hmm. they they face easy team and then they go like up the ladder, you know, and then go down the ladder, going to Eastern Michigan, and then go up and down and up and down. Yeah. It, it's like their schedule is all over the place. Yeah, and that's why it's hard to make a real prediction because you don't know when, you know, if it'll just be one win, one loss. It'll just go, maybe it does go back and forth. If you play yeah. NAU and then you lose to Oklahoma State and beat, then you beat Eastern Michigan, but then you have to go play Stanford or Utah or USC or you have to go to Southern California and play USC. Yeah. But then UCLA comes to town, so you know who knows. It's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting year, really. It's, yeah, it's, for sure. It's, it's really hard to predict yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of UCLA, uh, I think the like biggest, like one of the biggest headlines is that you know we've talked about this that UCLA and USC is going to the Big Ten, mm-hmm. but you I. Some fans think that USC belongs in the Big Ten, but not so much as UCLA does, right? So, like, are they going to hurt more going to another conference? I definitely expect them to. UCLA and USC are very different programs Mm -hmm. um, in terms of, you know, UCLA is a powerhouse in terms of, like, baseball and basketball. Yeah. And so you have the John Wooden era. And so you're still building off that, which isn't, a big deal, but when it comes to uh, football and all these other smaller sports, UCLA is going to hurt a little more. Yeah, and I think it's going to impact both teams really. Oh know? yeah, for sure. Like you having to play in like twenty degree weather or even worse, it's going to be like yeah. Insane. I mean, Southern California and Michigan are two polar opposite places. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And so I think they go for the profit and the money, and they come in to get sponsors and sponsorships, which is. You know what, just what college athletics are right now. But mm-hmm. I think they're going to miss the point once they get in there and say, "Well, we're not as competitive, me- mentally as we prepared. Want. We're not as physically prepared as the other teams that are are training in twenty degree weather while we're in Southern California training in eighty degree weather." Yeah, exactly. And so it'll be interesting to see kind of how that goes. We'll move to twenty four, and 
we'll see if maybe UCLA pulls back. I you know I you know could see them pulling yeah. back, saying Look, I, I wouldn't be surprised either. If I said you know maybe the Pac-12 is they do some soul searching. They say well maybe the Pac-12 is where we need to be, mm-hmm. and you know it's just it's really up to them right now and see where they are. But you know UCLA is going to have an interesting year. You know DTR is back. Yeah, you know it's going to UCLA kind of has to get out of their own shadow right now. Mm-hmm. They have Chip Kelly. They've been on the brink of looking to get over that hump, but then a couple losses here and there, and you're under the top 25. Yeah, exactly. And so I think the problem with UCLA right now is that just the lack of consistency is going to hurt them. So if they can find a good system that works for them, they need to you know, and they start beating good teams. You know, we saw um, – UCLA played some very tough opponents. I mean, Fresno State came to came to town last year. Oh yeah, and, they, and, and Fresno the State, yeah, which is which was an unbelievable game. I remember watching highlights of that game. Mm-hmm. But like you did mention, DTR, and this is his fifth year at UCLA. Like, what are UCLA fans really gonna expect out of him? Like, you know, he's he's kind of like I said, he like with uh, ASU, they have a, like a roller coaster schedule. Mm-hmm. DTR Dorian Thompson Robinson, he kind of has a roller coaster year. Like some years he's really good, some years he's really bad. Yeah, and so, so yeah, DT- kind of confusing. DTR is gonna have, you know, he's gonna have to have a really good season to not only impress NFL scouts, but also see if this is, you know, I fully expect this to be his breakout year. Yeah, and I, I so, do too. You know, this is kind of his this last dance at UCLA. Mm-hmm. But I think it's all on how UCLA uses him. Yeah. You know, how do we use this dual threat? You know, he's an amazing runner. He has a great throwing arm. And UCLA has never really used that to its full advantage yet. Yeah, exactly. So it's going to be an interesting year to see if they are able to get him over that hump and find a real consistent pair or pairs out there and just and just get make him comfortable and make sure you have a good yeah. system in place that you know, he's able to succeed in that system, which mm-hmm. the past few years has been very rocky and up and down like we were saying mm-hmm. yeah like i expect him to have a great season but there's one like thing that i'm worried about is that he lost his main he lost two main receiving targets in greg dulcich to the broncos and kyle phillips to the tennessee titans mm-hmm. we're throwing a little bit at nfl because you know these guys end up getting drafted but you know those are his two favorite guys yeah and those now guys are gone i'm this kind of thinking it's like how long is it going to take for his new receivers and himself to connect. Yeah. Yeah. But like he said, I think he's going to have a great season. But who's even going to have a bigger season with UCLA is Zach Charbonnet, the the running back for UCLA. Mm-hmm. But the big question is, is he going to be the best running back in the pack? Well, he definitely has potential to. And that's that's a big word for USC, UCLA is that potential. We have plenty of potential, but it's just getting over that mountain, getting over that hump. Mm-hmm. And I think a guy like Zach Charbonnet, who, you know, it's going to be in his, what, second or third year at UCLA? No. I think it's second. Yeah, yeah. second, because I think he was a freshman last year. Yeah. It's going to be a good shot for him to really take, you know, that a bigger role in the, on that team. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in your sophomore year. It's a good shot, especially for running back, that running back position, to say, you know, really claim your spot as this is your team. This is kind of, you know, we've seen that with, with a lot of teams in the past saying, you know, kind of claiming their – their uh their spot you know we kind of saw with ASU a couple years ago with you know Benjamin you know, yeah. you know re- the, the offense really ran through him and so if, if Charbonnet is lucky then and has that 
you know, that oomph, then you can really get get that offense to run through him. And, you know, everything can really go through him. And so if UCLA plays their cards right, it'd be it'd be wise to really get that and make this system run through him. Yeah, I, I personally love Zach Charbonnet. I think he's, like, literally a tank, plus he's fast. Mm-hmm. But... And he's going to have a great season overall because he's like yeah. the main power horse in that in that UCLA system. Yeah. But I think people need to stop comparing him to all these NFL great running backs that yeah. live today, like Derrick Henry and Adrian Peterson. Yeah, you know he's he's he's, he's his own person. He's just too young as well. So yeah. the ceiling's extremely high for him. So I think, but like we were saying, it's going to be extremely um, good shot for him to see where he is, mm-hmm. and it's a good fresh shot for UCLA to really. You know, see what they expect out of him for the next coming years. You know, because you're going to be running back until 25, 26. And so you're going to need to be that vocal point in that locker room. So it's going to be a good shot to see if they can. Yeah, exactly. And uh, let's move to Washington. Washington is an interesting team. You know, they've lost, you know, Trent McDuffie and then Kyler Gordon as well. Mm -hmm. And so their secondary is like almost automatically depleted. Yeah, and so Washington exactly. has a lot of ground to make up right now, and they, you know, have went on a really roller coaster season last year. Mm-hmm. Started in the top twenty-five, get beat by Eastern Washington at home. Yeah, which was, and it just felt like that loss just almost felt like it ended their season. You know, yeah. it's like they never really rebounded from that. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be a, a rebirth for them, a, a really finding their image. You know, they don't, they still haven't <laughs> figured out the quarterback position yet. Yeah. You know, which which still, that's still up in air. Which is, you know, which it's good that it's competitive, but, you know, you also need to find some consistency. Yeah. So, you know, what Washington does there is it will be interesting then losing Terrell Bynum as well. Yeah. And so, like I was saying, Washington has a lot of ground to make up. So mm-hmm. I think if they're smart, they take it from a different position. You know, they hired a new head coach. They're, they were able to really go in this new position saying, look, we know we're going to kind of, Rebuild, have to rebuild this season. Mm-hmm. Must rebuild this program, you know. For you know, Jake Brown is not here. Jake Browning's not here anymore. You know? Yeah, we're five or six years out of the playoff spot with Alabama. Yeah, you know, we're not really in that that scheme of things. And I feel like Washington's kind of been building off of that for the last five or six years. Mm-hmm. So you know, well, only four years ago we were in the college football playoff. Yeah. So yeah, well now it's six or seven years ago now. Well, now we're now we're in twenty twenty two. Yeah, that, that's unbelievable. You, know, you were nationally relevant in two thousand seventeen, but mm-hmm. you now you've just gone. You know, you've had this weird roller coaster ride. So it'll be. I'm excited to see what Washington does. It'll be, it'll be health, healthy for them to yeah. have a nice, have a good rebirth of this program. Yeah, and like more more importantly, I'm gonna base off what you said. You know, losing Terrell Bynum to USC in the transfer portal, losing McDuffie and Gordon in the draft. Mm-hmm. This is really going to hurt Washington. Like, I feel like this is, like, more of a hotter take, but I can see that Washington, like, falls, like, in the, like, later half of the Pac-12, like, like near, like, Washington State, Stanford, and more, right? And it's because, like, you know, Washington has never been known for their quarterback. Like, the right. last good quarterback out of coming out of Washington was Jake Browning. Yeah. That's saying something, right? Like and but they've always been known for their receivers and their defensive backs. And that's what they lost most importantly. Mm-hmm. They lost the three guys that we've mentioned. Yeah. So they're just gonna be hit so hard yeah. this upcoming year. So it'll be like I was saying, it'll be fun to see kind of what they do with this opportunity. And yeah. 
it's not going to be overnight. You know, I yeah, no, you know, nothing I, happens overnight. You know, I expect them to go to a bowl game. I see, I see them get to six wins, but probably nothing more. You know, I yeah. Washington always has the always has the ability to get seven or eight wins a year. Yeah, eight or nine. They have a they have, you know got a good program. They had a good system around that athletic program mm-hmm. in Washington right now. So it'll be fun to see another Pac-12 North opponent. Yeah, Stanford is also going through kind of the same thing. They have to kind oh, of yeah. kind of rebuild their their program that was once at you know such a top level you know top 25 almost every year top 10 almost every year you know they played in the Rose Bowl back-to-back years yeah but you know losing Austin Jones in that heavy run game that's gonna really hurt them in my opinion yeah I mean that's their that's their main offense run through David Shaw like Mm -hmm. I mean he just runs the ball with like and this is as a joke but I mean it feels like they have like Instead of five linemen, it's not, it feels like they have like seven or eight linemen yeah. for every play they run. You yeah, know? and uh, with David Shaw too, his his kind of his coaching carousel has been kind of like this, kind of a big roller coaster. And that he, I feel like that he's almost at the end. He's maybe at the end of his end of his reign at okay. Stanford. Yeah, you know, I th- you know, because it'd be, and but he is a good head coach, and I'll give credit that. He's had the success of that program, and mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see if they not only keep that going and keep him on, but you know what they do with this opportunity because you know David Shaw likes to talk. You know, it's oh yeah, that's he not, loves to talk to the media about how great Stanford is, and that's not a secret, you know. And yeah, but Stanford's also a interesting, you know, it's a not it's a program, but it's also a yeah. a very uh, sacred institution. Yeah, and so recruiting recruiting to Stanford is very tough because you have to find. Really, really smart people. You know, kids that have very high GPAs yeah. and that, you know, it makes for a very small, smart ball club in terms of IQ and football IQ, but yeah. it's also tougher to find kids that want to go out to Palo Alto mm-hmm. and play football for three or four years. Yeah. So it's always been the the tough uh, sell for Stanford. And so we'll see kind of what they do with this and and how long it takes for them to get back on the right track cuz right now they're yeah they're look like they're kind of spiraling out of control. Yeah, like I've I've always found Stanford really interesting is because they're really like old fashioned. They're like mm-hmm. they're like playing like they're in like the 1970s where most of the most of their formations are under center mm-hmm. and they use their running back and their tight end the most. Yeah. You know? Yeah, we just gotta look out for Stanford. You know, because Stanford will sneak up on people. They'll oh yeah, for they'll, sure. They'll beat or- they beat Oregon last year in Palo Alto. Yeah. They'll mm-hmm. go out and they'll sneak off a couple wins, but then yeah. lose four straight. Mm-hmm. So you just gotta be careful. You know, another team like that is Washington State. Oh yeah, for sure. Washington State has has been very up and down. They have a lot of up and down, a lot of up and down going going on in their program right now, especially with the. Nick Rolovich getting back in the news. Oh yeah, that, he that. filed a twenty-five million wrongful termination claim. Yeah, and so you still have like this giant cloud over you at Washington State. Mm-hmm. And so it's kind of like what ASU is going through. You have this giant cloud over your program, but while this is going on, you still have to recruit and play football and practice and get your guys ready. And so it's a it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah, for sure. And I think this is totally going to affect Washington State. Is because if a major headline is like going on like this. It kind of gets to their heads, going, mm-hmm. "What did we do wrong?" Maybe, and possibly their performance can go out of hand. You know, well, a lot of these guys were coached by Rolovich, and so when you see your head coach, you know, suing mm-hmm. your institution, you know, it's a, you know, it distracts you for sure. But what I've seen, what I saw at Washington State last year is they usually they use their home field to their advantage. You know, Pullman's a tough place to play. Oh yeah, for sure. We've seen a lot of teams go in there and yeah. lose because they're. 
not only their home field, but they have a great crowd, a good student yeah. body out there at Washington State. Yeah, Washington so, State and Oregon State, the two states. <laughs> they did go seven and six last year, but four of those wins were at home. And so I I fully expect them to use that to their advantage again. And that's really? why I think yeah. Washington State gets back to a bowl game. Maybe they'll go play at the, yeah. the Jimmy Kimmel LA Bowl or they go yeah, play or, at the or, or some some the, type of bowl. The you mashed know? potato bowl or the <laughs> yeah. the Sun Bowl. You know, you yeah. you know, but I fully expect them out of them. Yeah, personally, I don't think they repeat is because I I think that Jaden Delora, who transferred to U of A, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. they lost him, you know? They yeah. lost their their guy, you know? He, he was the star of that school, you know? And Washington State is always kind of like that, you know? They had Ryan Leaf many, many years ago. Yeah. He's the biggest NFL bust, but he was great at Washington State. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had Gardner Minshew, who was like known as the hero, the mustache man. Yeah. And they had Jaden Dolora, and he he basically he basically carried that offense. Yeah. You so know? it'll be it'll be interesting to see what they do without him, and you know, because a lot of that offense ran through him. Yeah. And so it'll be interesting to see what they do with that, and yeah, kind of just kind of like every program right now, you just kind of have to deal with what the transfer portal is. Yeah. And you know, you, you lose guys. You know, football's like. College football is like free agency right now. Yeah, exactly. That you do have this kind of... The transfer portal has basically like just dominated mm-hmm. college football. And I feel like another team that's kind of behind the times right now is Oregon State. Oh, yeah. It, and they have a lot of ground to make up as well. Mm-hmm. Tough schedule at the beginning. They play, um, I think, Fresno State, and then they play Boise State. They do play a subdivision opponent. I believe they it's a... Yeah. Eastern Washington, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they play Boise, they play Boise State week one. They play Fresno State week two, which is a sneaky team. Mm-hmm. They play Montana State, Montana which is, State, yes. which is week three, right? Mm-hmm. So they play USC and then play Utah. Exactly. So those first five games. Oh my goodness! You're going through the ringer, you know, and maybe yeah. not. Um, they're your subdivision opponent, mm-hmm. but man, you when you're getting off back to back games from Boise State and then Fresno State. Two very sneaky, sneaky teams. Mm-hmm. You know, teams like Montana State can come and sneak up on you. And that's yeah. the, that's the scary part about a team like Oregon State that you know their their focus in the past few years has been kind of off and on. And so I, I expect them to have more of a down year this year. Yeah, especially for sure. you know like if they're coming out of the gates two and three or one and four or whatever their record may be. Yeah, because I don't see them beating USC or Utah. Yeah, that's. That's like you have to say, you know, I know nothing about college football, and I'm just going right. to throw so, my money out there. So in my opinion, I don't think they make it back to a bowl. They, oh, you know, I, they, I don't think so They either. snuck into a bowl last year, that one at SoFi Stadium, I think it was at. Yeah. But, you know, it was it was kind of a, a fluky win year for Oregon State last year, mm-hmm. and I don't see them repeating. Yeah, for sure. But, like, I mean, like with this five, like with this tough five games that, I, that we have here, like, I mean, Mm-hmm. What do you expect out of Oregon State? I expect I expect them to be a scrappy team, though. So Oregon State has a lot to prove, you yeah. know. And I think also because they ended their bowl drought last year, mm-hmm. you know, the fans rushed the field because they finally made a bowl. Oh yeah, for and sure. So there's they definitely have that momentum yeah. with their fan base. They have a new they just renovated their stadium. They they had a new press box and jumbotron, and so people are going to come out to the games. You know, it's that's. That's there's yeah. no question about that. It's also but it's just what they do with the opportunity they're being yeah. given. And, and Corvallis is always like a tough place. Oh, absolutely. Play. Yeah, it's always been one of the toughest places to play in 
college football. You know, a lot of teams go in there and have a. It's the atmosphere. It's the weather. It's the. Oh yeah. It, you know, in November it rains, so it's cold and it's freezing. So it's. Mm-hmm. It's definitely a yeah. difficult place to play. Yeah, like he, like you said, I do not expect much out of Oregon State because with these first five games, and I know we keep on mentioning the first five games, but they have a fairly easy schedule after, except they have to play Oregon there last week because that's the rifles i expect them to be one in five uh, one and four in their first five mm-hmm. and that's gonna like bring their momentum down yeah and say you know we really can't compete this year i think the the ceiling for them is probably like four or five wins you think so but that's really all i really see and another team like that is uh is u of a mm-hmm. who granted they have a lot of momentum coming into the year when they get you know a big four-star recruit and they get Jaden delora coming in mm-hmm. but this is also a team that uh one a game last year. Yeah, one game against a, a very depleted Cal team. You know, Cal yeah. Cal in the like at the surface is a very depleted team as well. Oh yeah, for sure. And so it wasn't too much of a I wouldn't call it a powerhouse win for mm-hmm. U of A last year. Well, well, Cal, Cal half of Cal's team was had COVID exactly, and I think they had to use practice squad members mm-hmm. for the Cal Cal starting team. Yeah, but you know people that you know, with U of A mm-hmm. are treating this like it's gonna happen overnight. Like yeah, we're gonna for sure. like we're gonna be yeah. competing for the Pac twelve championship yeah. this year. And maybe in two or three years we can talk about that when these guys are sophomores and, and juniors and seniors. Yeah. And but right now it's just not really feasible to say that this overnight sensation with U of A is gonna click. But I do like what they what they've been doing through recruiting class. Oh yeah, for sure. It hurts as an ASU fan to see the momentum that they're building, but you know, mm-hmm. Jed Fish came in there and is yeah. turning the tides at U of A. So I'll give him a lot of credit for that. Yeah. Know? Ever since Jed Fish had went there, I mean, it's kind of like that the program has completely turned around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they they turn this around if they can get yeah. out of the gutter that they're at that they're in right now. And mm-hmm. it, it may take a few years, but you know, I think they did. They finally found the guy that's going to get oh, them yeah, out of the sure. gutter. Yeah, Jaden, Jaden, Laura, like. You know, our good friend Jake was really disappointed uh, that he left to U of A. But he does like, going back to Washington State a little bit, and we'll just mention this a little bit, Cameron Ward is actually at Washington State now, who's a great quarterback. He's a good dual threat, but his competition is kind of lacking because he went to Texas State. Yeah. So now let's flip back to Arizona, right? But, like, the main thing is, like, we've talked about Jaden Delora so much, and the media has really talked about him a lot. But how is he really going to flow with this new offense? Now it'll be interesting to see as well with uh, U of A. Mm-hmm. U of A had a very rough and stumble offense last year. Of it was, you know, I just didn't. It never really got off the ground. You know, if you mm-hmm. know when you only win a game, that's kind of that's kind of how you know what it shows of that. We just never really got off the ground. That's kind of what their offense was was showing. You know, mm-hmm. they had they had peaks where they go on on amazing drive and they'd have a fifty yard play. But then have to settle, you know, settle for a field goal in their own red zone. Yeah, for sure. Because once they get in there, they just don't have the execution. That was the big. That was a big word for U of A last year, execution. You know, you just weren't, you couldn't, you just couldn't keep yourself in, in games. You know, you'd look up and it'd already be seventeen nothing. Oh yeah. You go, to, you go to Oregon and lose like fifty nothing because you try to get in the game, but man, when you're down twenty nothing, there's not much you do. You know, so I'll be excited to see if you know bringing in a threat like Jaden Laura finally kind of helps them get a yeah. set guy that says, well, when in doubt, throw it up to Delora. Yeah, and, you exactly. Know, and U of A hasn't had that in a long time. And so it's going to be 
helpful for them to kind of finally have that real dynamic offense again. And I think you have to use it use that to their advantage. You know, you know, maybe they get a few more wins and maybe mm-hmm. they surprise a few people. Yeah. And maybe they take back the territorial cup or maybe they do this yeah. or do that. So. I, I have them with three wins this year. So do I. Yeah. I, I like honestly even like even though we're ASU students, right? And a lot of media saying, Oh, U of A is gonna be ASU, I don't see it happening. Not not this year. And in, in a few years when you know, if ASU is on the downfall and U of A is on on the way up, yeah, we can talk about yeah. you know, does U of A finally in the streak? But I think ASU's definitely got the the firm hold on yeah. it. Yeah, another team in the gutter right now is Cal. Yeah, they just lost their four star um, R J Jones. He yeah. just decommitted, which so, is which is huge because like you you really hear nothing from Cal in the in media. They're their team is kind of in a crumble. Yeah, R.J. Jones is kind of the face of that. Yeah, well, you got, you know, you're kind of sketchy, but you got, you got R.J. Jones. Yeah. So you do have that consistency with him, at least. Yeah. But now that he's gone, you know. I mean, like, what what do you do at that point? Do I you... think, well, I think Cal right now is just in the same position a lot of these teams are. It's just time to figure out who we are. Yeah, I think this exactly. year, I don't see them making a bowl, but. Oh, for sure. But yeah. it's also going to just be kind of testing out the waters of, like, who do we trust? Who do we? Who's yeah. going to lead our team the next few years? And that's kind of how that's what Cal will just have to figure out, like any other team. You know, mm-hmm. just, you know, what do we do now, and what direction do we go in? Yeah, like honestly, like with Cal, I I don't like they had like some games that they like surprised us, which like I remember them beating USC last year and then beating a couple other teams. Like they weren't yeah. a one win team like U of A. Yeah, but like honestly, if you have if your recruiting numbers aren't up, mm-hmm. you gotta change something in either coaching, uh, management. You yeah. gotta you gotta change something. You yeah. know, like you can't stick this way because yeah. you don't want to be the bottom of the Pac-12 forever. You know, Cal's in the has been this position has been in this position before, and so when it comes to a team like Cal, you know, you just kind of have to. Maybe it's uh, you know, they, but they brought in a new system. They brought in a new head coach, and so yeah. We'll kind of we'll see how it works to their advantage and see if they just kind of, you know, a lot of teams are, what a lot of these teams are doing just rebuild. Yeah, for just, sure. And just build back up and build back up yeah. and see what see what happens and you know if it works it works and yeah. if it doesn't then give it time and if yeah and, exactly and if in four years in the same position yeah. then you look in the mirror and say okay what are we really doing here yeah because now we're not because sure. now we're winning three games a year mm-hmm. we have we have combined nine wins in four years. Yeah. So and then last time they made like Rose Bowl or something was like we look we looked it up not too long ago. Yeah. Uh, and it was, was that, like nineteen thirty eight. Yeah, nineteen thirty eight. So you're on a pretty big drought out there in, yeah. in Berkeley. Like I, I don't think they'll make a Rose Bowl in a very long time, but I mean at least make a bowl game, you know. Right. You know, just start with that, start it's like every team starts slow. Yeah. Start small and mm-hmm. and see what happens. So the our final point here of the show of you know, who do you expect to come to be a big surprise team of the Pac-12 this year. A big surprise. Oh, that's interesting. Um, out of these teams, right? Mm-hmm. I see that, like, you know, I think that UCLA is kind of like not getting much appreciation because, like, of course, USC, Oregon, and Utah are like kind of the front runners of the Pac-12. But honestly, I see like like UCLA as the true dark horse of the Pac-12. So do I, and uh, mm-hmm. I think UCLA has a lot to prove. They're gonna prove, you know, they're gonna 
they have sneaky wins. They can go out and beat a lot of good teams. Oh, yeah, for then, sure. You know, at the same time, walk out. Look out for Utah. You know, Utah mm-hmm. is sneaking up behind everyone. They're number seven in the yeah. polls, but they're hungry. Yeah. They're a really hungry team. And they're 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 ready to fight and they're ready to yeah. to prove themselves in this really competitive conference. Yeah. Another oh, my bad. And they're here and I think they're just here to say that look, this is our conference. Mm-hmm. We're Pac twelve champs. Yeah. You know, we went to the Rose Bowl. We represented. Yeah. We play at the Rose Bowl. And we're ready to do it again. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I, I think another dark horse, especially, is Washington State. Mm-hmm. Because Cameron Ward, uh, we mentioned him just a tiny bit, but this guy has thrown like incredible numbers at. I think he was previously at Texas State. You yeah. know, he he had like a three thousand yard season, and like like I've never seen much since he comes from such a small school. But mm-hmm. like the Pac twelve media day, they really liked him, yeah. and I say, you know, these guys are these guys are the professionals. Yeah. Where, yeah, I'm going to trust him in this Washington State offense. Everything I've heard is that he's a really good leader. And mm-hmm. so if you can go in there and start leading that that group, Washington State, again, is a team that can go out and just really take it to teams. You know, yeah. we think about the ASU game last year. They were up 28 nothing, like that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, forcing turnovers, forcing, uh, you know, whatever. You know, yeah. it, was a, it was a tough game to watch in terms of a yeah. ASU perspective, but then you watch, look at Washington State. And they're a free-flowing offense. Yeah, a lot of that came from Mike Mike Leach. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that system is still in place. So if Washington State can use that to their advantage, yeah, you know, maybe look out for them competing yeah. in October or November. So it'll be yeah. interesting to see. And uh, what like our last remark is probably like Washington State also has like kind of a sneaky running back. I think his name is Max Borgie or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, really small, really small guy. He's not built like your average running back, but he's right. super sneaky. He can receive out of the backfield. I mean, those two guys are just going to dominate in yeah. that offense. And I'll, re- I'll repeat it as much as you know possible for a team like Washington State. Of they have a lot to play for right now, mm-hmm. and they're trying to kind of build back that respect. And I kind of see this as like a twenty eighteen year. Okay, when they win and were nationally ranked, and they got college game day to come, and then they beat Oregon. Yeah, and they just that was, that was just a team to a team that had a lot to play for. Yeah, a team that had a lot to prove. I think it's going to be the same way this year. They just they they're going to come in and they're going to they're going to say, look, we're we're not, we're not, you know, bottom feeders. We're going to come out here. We're going to compete with, yeah. with you guys. Like, so, no one wants to be at the bottom. Right. Like, of any conference, not just the Pac-12, the SEC, the Big Ten. The Big exactly. Ten. So, Washington State can, is going to come in and, you know, have a lot to prove. And so, I think, and I hope they make a lot of this opportunity because, you know, they're going to be, they've shown in the past that they can beat teams like Oregon and can mm-hmm. hang with teams like Utah and can hang with teams like USC and can blow out teams like ASU. Yeah, and so they have that potential, but what they do with it will be interesting. Will be the most uh, exciting thing to exciting thing to see this year. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and uh, yeah, you've been listening to uh, Packed Up with uh, me, myself, Kenji Ito, and my partner in crime, Jacob Jones. Uh, we had absolutely fun doing this, and can't wait to put out another episode. Uh, and thank you so much for watching or listening. Thanks so much. Yep.